had so many incredible moments as a fighter. Moments where I thought, man, little Heather growing up in Garrison Beach never would have dreamed of this because people where I live don't come out and do the things I'm doing. I remember about five years ago, 2018, I fought Shelly Vincent at Madison Square Garden for a world title. It was my world title win. I had made the phone call and begged HBO and they put us on the show, you know, close mouth, don't get fed. They put us on the show. We were only the second females to ever fight on HBO. And they all said it couldn't be done and we got it done. I made that phone call and I got it done. Hey, this is Achim Novak, executive coach and host of the My Fourth Act podcast. If life is a five-act play, how will you spend your fourth act? I have conversations with exceptional humans who have created bold and unexpected fourth acts. Listen and be inspired. And please rate us and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Let's get started. I am so delighted to welcome Heather Hardy to the My Fourth Act podcast. Heather is an American professional boxer and mixed martial artist. She held the WBA, WBO featherweight title from 2018 to 2019 when she lost the title to Amanda Serrano. Heather is also a trainer living and working in Brooklyn, New York. Heather holds a BA in forensic psychology at John Jay Criminal College, College of Criminal Justice in Manhattan. Heather didn't start boxing until she was 28. She has been a persistent voice for pay equity in women's boxing. Just this summer, at the age of 41, Heather challenged Amanda Serrano for the WBA, WBC, IBF, WBO, IBO, and the ring female heavy uh, featherweight world titles again. While she lost the fight by unanimous decision, Heather is not done. And I'm very curious about where you go next. Hello, Heather. Hi there. It's a treat to meet you. I always wonder. And I ask this question every guest when you were a young girl growing up and uh, thinking about your future life and mom or dad or whoever asked you a question, like, what was on your mind? What did you think? I wanted the first girl to be able to pitch on the New York Yankees. I was a little girl and I used to play stickball and wiffle ball and I hung out with all the boys when I was a kid. And I always wanted to play, be the starting pitcher for the New York Yankees. I watched 162 games a year. My best friend was a boy when I was growing up, um, but they didn't let girls play Little League. We had to play softball, yeah. so I didn't get to play. And becoming a New York Yankee was never a recognizable dream. The girls don't play baseball, so we've come a long way since I'm a, a little girl. Yes, we have and you have, which is cool. I also I lived in New York for a while, and I know that you grew up in a very sort of secluded neighborhood of Brooklyn called Garrison Beach. I used to go to the beach in Manhattan Beach. I would take the train to Sheepshead Bay, go off and walk to the beach. But you were even further away. So can you give me a snapshot of what it was like to live in a remote part of Brooklyn that was sort of a little sheltered? Sure. It was extremely sheltered. I mean, it's community. It's uh, working class Irish people off the boat. It's all like Irish Americans and very small neighborhood It's one road in, one road out. Like I said, working class. I grew up in a neighborhood where most people, they're both our parents all work two jobs. So the oldest child, the last key kid, I carried the key on my neck on a uh, shoelace and I would pick up my brother and sister, take them home. And we kind of did that. Everybody, the oldest kid took the youngest siblings home and 
made dinner and did homework and wait for your parents to come home. And they survived. And part of what made me want more from my life was having my daughter and knowing that I wanted her to be exposed to so many things that I wasn't exposed to until I was well, well, later on in life. I want to talk about how you juggle being a boxer, being a mom, training, all of that stuff. But one thing, as I learned about you, that struck me is cute to have your first boxing experience when you were 28. So you were an adult, you had a daughter. Tell us the story of how does somebody suddenly get involved in a boxing event? How did that happen? Sure, I was 28 years old. I was going through a divorce. I had my degree in forensics, but I was working six small jobs at the time just to keep food on the table. I raised my daughter. Um, I was living with my little sister, which I kind of raised her as my daughter as well. So it's me and my sister, both of our kids, two single moms, no child support. I was really hustling just to put food on the table. And she gave me a gift certificate to a little karate school that opened in my neighborhood. And she was like, I'm tired of seeing all you do is work and sit at home. Like, you need a personal life. And within a couple of weeks, the girls had needed a fighter. One of their fights fell out and said, you want to do it? And I thought, okay. So <laughs> I tried to have a fight. I grew up in a place. My mom taught me nobody will beat you like your mama. So I wasn't scared. And I won that first fight and thought, yep, this is how I'm getting out of this neighborhood. I love the background that you just shared with me. How do you go from the first fight to the second fight? Like, how do boxers advance? How does that happen for people like me who don't know how boxing works? Sure. So this was an amateur fight. Amateur is an, um, as like strict and licensed. It's not for any money. You're just doing it for experience. It's USA Boxing, amateur boxing. So you can fight anytime you want. You yeah. just you know. You can do it with or without a coach, with or without a manager. I'm fortunate, and I credit this to my college education and my years as into adulthood, being a parent, being smarter. I managed my career wisely because I knew I had to make the most of the years I was in it. And yeah. I knew I wanted to make this a career to pay the bills and put food on the table. So I was very focused on my first fight. Get the next one, get the next one, get mm -hmm. better, get the next one, get better. I would imagine... In boxing, like other sports, though, at some point, you hire trainers, all that costs money. So you actually have to spend money to develop yourself. Is, am I hearing? Is that correct? Yes. I mean, sadly, everything in this day and age, it costs money to make money. It costs money to make money. So when you have trainers and people who are guiding you on a path and they're not really charging you a lot of money, Right. Knowing yeah. that I didn't have a lot of money. I was a single mom raising two families at the time, my sisters as well. I just felt like I was really blessed at Gleason's gym by the amount of people who were willing to help me with my boxing for little to no money. And it's true. I mean, boxing is just a very expensive sport. You have to travel together, yeah. take time off of work. You have to train, yeah. you have to prepare, you need to pay a trainer. And then you get into the pros and it's even more. You got a promoter, you know, like the money goes everywhere. So you have to be smart. You mentioned a couple of times that you pride yourself on having been smart. I love that. Being smart means what? Surrounding yourself by the right people or choosing the right events to box in? Like, how, what does smart... It's everything. It's Christy Martin, who's perhaps one of the first female boxers to ever get on the scene. She boxed with Mike Tyson. Christy Martin said, as soon as one ticket is sold to a sporting event, it yeah. becomes a business and it's not a sport anymore. So the sport is the background of the business. As soon as one ticket is sold to an event. And I think that my intelligence came from knowing my place in the sport. How do I make money? 
how do I make myself marketable? When in a sport that doesn't want women to take place, how can I make myself valuable? And the answer to that was sell tickets. The promoters will want you if you sell tickets. Be easy to work with. There, there, there are so many factors that go into managing your career as a fighter. It's not just about being at the gym and having a good coach. Like You have to be smart and have your finger on everyone's pulse, kind of when you should do your next fight, how long is too long to be laid off, how to listen to no, right? Like in any business, people are going to tell you no, and you have to sort out the no's that are in your best interest and the no's that are just from other people being lazy and you have to get to the bottom of it. So, so really educating myself on how the money is made in boxing is what kept me on the next step every time. What I'm wondering about is in many sports, there is the inequity in pay, but also, especially with women to get commercial endorsements, it's sometimes no matter how good you are, it's about your looks, how pretty you are. We can commercially sell you is is that a part of women's boxing as well? Just the physical appearance? I mean, physical appearance is a benefit no matter what position you're in as a woman. And women will tell you that whether they're teachers, doctors, lawyers, fighters, in the public eye or out of the public eye, being an attractive woman definitely makes it easier for you. But we're living in a time where you can market anything. Yeah. You just have to know who your audience is. You don't have to be beautiful anymore. Beauty is subjective anyway. So, but now we're seeing that what you market yourself on can be your looks, it can be your attitude, it can be single motherhood, it could be your church, the music you like. There are so many ways that we can market ourselves where you don't have to be conventionally beautiful to be able to hold a captive audience. You just have to know who your market is. As I listen to your story, is inspiring, but I'm also thinking is part of the inspiration, obviously, you're a WBA champion. That's ridiculously impressive. But part of your story is also here's somebody who's who's been a fighter outside of the ring too. You fought for your daughter, you fought for your family, and you just have this big fighting spirit. And that's part of and you're making a choice of telling that story. Is that correct? Sure. I think that what I just spoke about is deciphering no's. You know, your whole life you're listening to people tell you no, and it's for various reasons. Like no, you can't. You know, it's listening to that no yeah. and asking, does this benefit me in any way? And if the answer is no, then to keep fighting for it. That's what people fight for, for what they deserve, for what's rightfully theirs, right? When you grow up like I did with not a lot of money and parents who weren't like the important people in the room, you have to fight because people are always going to tell you no. You're never going to be in front. You have to fight for what you deserve. Because nobody is going to fight for you either. A word from your sponsor. That's me. I invite you to go to the website associated with this podcast, www.myfourthact.com. You will find other equally inspiring conversation with great humans. And you will also learn more about the My Fourth Act Mastermind Groups, where cool people figure out how to chart their own fourth acts. Please check it out. And now back to the conversation. I'd love to invite you to tell us, when I say us, the listeners and me, two stories, because I think in life, there are two sides to every coin. One, take us to a moment where you went, wow, this is a highlight of my life as a boxer. This is a moment where I celebrated what I'm doing. 
But most of us, including myself, we have those moments where you go, why the hell am I doing this shit? Right. So we have both. Can you tell us, take us to both ends when it comes to your yeah, life as I a mean, boxer? Perhaps I've had so many incredible moments as a fighter. Yeah. Moments where I thought, man, little Heather, little Heather growing up in Garrison Beach never would have dreamed of this because people where I live don't come out and do the things I'm doing. Yeah. I remember about five years ago, 2018, I fought Shelly Vincent at Madison Square Garden for a world title. It was my world title win. I had made the phone call and begged HBO and they put us on the show. Close mouth, don't get fed. They put us on the show. We were only the second females to ever fight on HBO. And they all said it couldn't be done and we got it done. I made that phone call and I got it done. And I remember walking to the fight and seeing right above Madison Square Garden, I was on the billboard. Nice. This was 2018. And in 2013, just five years before that, would have been 10 years ago now, but five years prior to seeing my billboard on Madison Square Garden's walls on 6th Avenue, Manhattan, I was homeless. I was living out of a little office, sleeping on a bed in the gym. I had nothing. My daughter was living with my cousins in Long Island because I didn't have a roof to put over her head. So to have come that far in such a short period of time, that was so humbling to me. I could still cry thinking of it. Yeah. And if I had to think of the moment where I said, what are you doing? Yeah. In 2017, before my world title, I had to do an MMA fight. I was doing all these boxing matches. I was 17 or 18 and 0. And I had done a boxing match. I had sponsors. I mean, I really went above and beyond, sold about $10,000 out of pocket tickets. And they put my show on before they opened the doors at Barclays. So I had sold like, $40,000 in tickets and all my fans were outside and I boxed to an empty crowd. So it was that choice that made me go to MMA. Bellator signed me. It was a huge thing. They were fighting at the garden and I had walked out to that Bellator fight and I looked at the commission for New York and I was like, what am I doing? I don't even know how to do this. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't even trained MMA. I only know how to box. And the guy, he was like, Heather, I grabbed my face. He said, Heather, just go out there and fight. And I was like, God damn, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> Thank you for that reality check. How, because my background is in show business and in show business, people are constantly rejected, right? You can't make it in show business if you can't handle losses and rejections. But how do you as a fighter handle losses? Do they motivate you to do more? Uh, what's your reaction after you didn't win? Well, a lot of people think of like they hear fighters after the fights and you listen to the ones who lose and any reason for a loss is seen as an excuse. And I'm real heavy in my life about differentiating reasons from excuses, right? Like uh -huh. there's a reason maybe why I didn't win that fight. And a lot of people don't take into account that when I fought Amanda the first time, I was still working a full-time job. I wasn't making enough money to retire. We talk about pay equity, and I spoke about this my whole career. You know, I fought for my world title at H on Madison Square Garden, HBO, co-main event, sold out the night, and me and my counterpart, my opponent, we each made 20 grand. I mean, that's absurd. Men are yeah. making millions. I am a world champion at my banner hanging in Gleason's gym, and I'm still working a full-time job. You heard me even this morning tell you I had clients that my job was running over. I couldn't talk to you. That's really tough. If I look back on why I lost a lot of fights, simple. It's like, it's not like the boys where you fly me off to Miami and I have beautiful runs under the sun and I'm <laughs> at the beach and I can tailor my days to eating right and sleeping right. Sadly, I was walking a little girl to school, doing homework, dealing with 
the mom stuff, working full time, like yeah. that really goes into it. So if I ever lost any of my fights, be it MMA or boxing, I mean, I know that I always give everything I can. But so well, what keeps you going? Because, I mean, everybody in life, when back, we get those voices where that tell us to quit. But you're clearly, a, you fought Amanda Serrano again just recently. You didn't win that fight, but I know you're not done. That's my sense of you. So what keeps you going? Well, God bless me with this talent. You know, like, God bless me with this boxing. Not everybody can do what I do, but I can. And when you lose a fight at my level, you're dealing with a whole bunch of women who are one percenters. We are not like 99% of this yeah. population. We are one percenters. And when a one percenter competes against another one percenter, somebody's going to lose. It doesn't mean you're not great. It doesn't mean you're not better than 99%. It means that I wasn't better than that girl that night. And I take pride in what I've done my whole life to be able to say that, right? Like, I feel like, you know what? I've done enough as a fighter. If I didn't win tonight, it don't mean that I'm not a winner. It means yeah. I didn't win. What keeps me going? I got a 19-year-old in college right now that I got to pay for. And part of what I promised myself as a mother is that we talked about in the beginning, it takes money to make money. I don't want my daughter going into her life with college bills. So I always yeah. prided myself that I would pay you through college. And once you get that paper, now it's on you. I have to finish this. For me, for her, for us, I have to get her through college. I love, there's such a fire in you as you talk about that. It's very inspiring to me as I was talking to you. Has there been progress made in pay equity? Are things better today than they were in 2017, 2018? Things are wildly better. It was 2012 before the first females were allowed to box in the Olympics. And that was really holding us back because we weren't allowed to showcase our skills on an international platform. So in 2012, when the first class of girls were welcomed into the Olympics on that platform, big promoters started signing these women. Yeah. And things changed over. Technology changed over. We changed over from streaming fights on ESPN and HBO and Showtime. Now those are all gone. And the only boxing you have is on these web streaming services like DAZN. So you also had, over the time, women boxing in the Olympics, but also the sport graduating from the old school guys who didn't think women belong fighting to a much newer, fresh management that is welcoming female fights and realize how much money make for them. The money is going up. It's not equal, but it is going in the right direction. I feel like I'm about to ask you a question, but I think most athletes have to sort of think about this at some point is at some point, if you, your body says, stop fighting, do you think about your life? Beyond that, do you stay in boxing in a different role? Do you have other dreams or aspirations? Like, to, what does Heather think about? Well, I know that with the, what I've invested in the last 10, 15 years of my life, that boxing will always make money for me because I always, I forgot more boxing than most people can learn in a lifetime. I forgot more. And that doesn't just mean I'm the best fighter. It means the business of boxing, the way boxing works, how money is made. And I know that I can offer so much to the sport, not just to women, but to the sport. So beyond what I do now to make money, which is I teach boxing, I give boxing, I, I'm a personal trainer. I mean, there's promotion, there's owning my own boxing gym. It's the possibilities really for a professional athlete in the afterlife of, of being a competitive, you know, in the sport, the possibilities for what you can do here are really endless. 
What do you have aspirations for your daughter and your daughter's life? What you want her to do that's maybe similar to yours, different to yours? How do you think about your daughter's future? The only thing I ever wanted to pass on to my daughter was my work ethic. And I successfully did that. My daughter is not a fighter. You know, kids mostly want to do the opposite of what their mom does. So she never wanted to come to the gym. It was always an option. She never wanted to. My daughter's an artist. And part of what made me realize what I wanted for her was seeing how it was. I was 28 before I was introduced to boxing because growing up in Garrison Beach in like, you know, middle, lower class neighborhoods, all there are not sports. There's not art. There's not music. There are very few options for kids because these zip codes where the money isn't there is not funded. So we had softball or Girl Scouts for girls and the boys played soccer or baseball. And that was it. That was all growing up. So as a parent, all I wanted to do was make sure I brought her to a zip code that embraced opportunities for children to do a lot of things. So she cooked, she did art classes. She went, you know, she did marine biology. She was out on boats, tests in the water. Like I wanted her to try everything to find her passion young. And she found art. You know, my daughter's an artist, so I'm blessed. She worked in art studios. She taught kids art. She's up in college right now working with animals. Like, she's a good kid. She took my work ethic. That's all all I want. How does your daughter think about having a mom who is a world boxing champion? Does she talk to you about it? I've learned about children. She is wildly unimpressed by me as a mother. And (laughs) one thing I learned being a mom is that she's 19. And she still doesn't see me as a woman. I'm not Heather. I'm still mom. Mom is almost like the superhero, right? Like moms don't have feelings. Moms don't have needs. Moms don't have wants. Moms should always be on call. That's where, at 19, that's where she is. So mom is not, I'm not impressive. I'm not cool. Even if I'm on TV and magazines, it's not cool. Because not many people have had the sort of career and life that you've had and experience as a professional athlete. What do you know now about life that you couldn't have known as the young girl growing up in Garrison Beach? Like if you had to share a word of wisdom with your daughter or anybody else, what have you learned that you go, I would like to pass this on? It's interesting you say that because just this weekend I had taken my boyfriend, who is also my fighter, I'm his coach, my boyfriend up to a fight in Connecticut, stayed at Mohegan Sun. It was my actual my, it was my fight anniversary with Shelly Vincent for the world title. So I went up to Boston to see her, one of the shows she was putting on, and he was going to fight. And long story short, his fight fell out. The opponent came in overweight, but he was so upset. And one thing I learned is to enjoy the process. Yeah. In 2020, during the pandemic, there was really thoughts that I would retire because I had just lost. The world shut down. Yeah. I was surviving by teaching. And one of my biggest regrets was that I didn't ever enjoy it. It was always the next step, chasing the next dream. Actually, Louis C.K., who's a comedian from New York, sponsored me for this last fight. And him and I even spoke about it. cool. Yeah. He had a small period where he wasn't doing comedy shows. You know, there was some bullshit with him. And he wasn't doing comedy shows. And he shared the same experience. Like, he said, I did the garden eight times. And the thought that I'd never do it again made me so mad that I didn't enjoy it. And I was like, Yes. Like I look back at times when I was honored for awards or dinners and would go through fight camps and be at press conferences in the Barclay Center and the garden. And 
I just felt like I just was going through the motions without really being like, bro, this is my life. This is happening to me. Look where you are. So if I had any advice to give any fighters, it would be like, just enjoy it. You're doing something that most people never get the chance to do. Oh, that is such beautiful wisdom for anybody, whether you're a fighter or not. Um, my audience probably are not all boxing fans, like you're used to talking to boxing fans. So some of my audience doesn't know where they can find out more about you. Do you have a website? Do you Are you on Instagram? Where would you like to direct people who want to learn more about what you do, Heather? Sure. So I, I'm on Instagram at Heather the Heat. You guys can follow me. It's really like my life as a mom, my life as a fighter, my life as a boxer, my life as a coach, my life as a trainer. I mean, you wear, all women wear so many hats, you yeah. know, most people do anyway. But when you're a parent, you definitely are different head on for everything. So you can follow me on Instagram. I'm kind of silly, but fun. <laughs> Thank you for this conversation. And uh, I'm inspired. Thank you for being such an amazing I hope you don't mind this term, but role model. You really oh, are. Thank you. thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's wonderful to meet you. Like what you heard? Please go to myfourthact.com and subscribe to receive my updates on upcoming episodes. Please also subscribe to us on the platform of your choice. Rate us. Give us a review. And let us all create some magical fourth acts together. Ciao.